Thus far, we've had a marvelous service. We've heard of the testimonies in the water of baptism, and we've sung to the Lord, and we've given to Him, and we've heard songs sung to His glory. And if you look at your watch, it's 1130. That is the preacher's dilemma. Because how can you preach an hour sermon in 30 minutes? The answer is, you cannot. So bear with me if I go over some, which of course I always do. And I suspect I'm going to have to give you a part one and two sermon. Part two will not come next Lord's Day because I'll be away. So you'll have to wait until the following Sunday. But I do have a message on my heart as I was thinking about what I might share with you, knowing that we are entering into a new year, January 2nd, 2011. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? 2011, a new year, a new opportunity to hear the word of the Lord. And as I was meditating on what I might speak to you regarding, I thought to myself, what would be the most important, the most challenging, and the most necessary message that the Bible Church of Little Rock and their visitors would need to hear? And as I was thinking about that, my mind raced to a number of texts that speak to the issue under the title of the message this morning, Seeking God. Seeking God. Now I want to share with you that I am, of course, as a Calvinist, very well aware, as are you, that the Bible says very clearly that no one seeks after God. I'm aware of that. And yet, at the same time, the Bible is filled filled to overflowing with passages that say, seek God. How do we understand such things? No one seeks after God. Seek God. How can it be so? Well, I think as Calvinists, we can become quite smug, to be honest with you, that at times when we theologize about all the various passages in the Bible, that we would either speak in contradictory ways about the Bible's message or we overemphasize one side of the equation or the other and we become imbalanced. And I think such is the case with this idea of seeking God. For in our Bibles, and I will show you, that it is true that no one seeks after God in their own flesh, by their own mind, with a lack of their own aspirations, no one seeks after God. In fact, look in your Bibles at Romans chapter 3. Romans 3 sets this in context for us. It is true, and I'm very well aware, that the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, in the middle of verse 9, Paul says, For we have already charged that all 
both Jews and Greeks, that means everybody in the world, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. That's true. That is absolutely true. That's the truth of the Word of God. In fact, look at Proverbs chapter 14. Uh, excuse me, Psalm chapter 14. Psalm 14 says the same thing. In fact, this is where Paul himself has quoted from the Old Testament in Romans 3. Psalm 14.1 The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. And what's the conclusion? Verse 3. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Look at Psalm 53. Verse 1. Same language. Same idea. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. Conclusion. Verse 3. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. Not even one. So I'm very well aware of these passages. And I affirm for you that no one seeks after God. That's why it's a misnomer in one sense to have a philosophy of ministry in a church that says we are a seeker-sensitive service. Because there are no seekers. How can you have a seeker philosophy when there are no seekers? That's absurd. Except for the other side of the equation. And the other side of the equation is that over and over and over again in our Bibles, even though we know the truth of what I've just said, the Bible says, seek after God. Seek God. Seek the Lord. Search for the Lord. Find the Lord. Over and over and over again. How do we understand the balance of these two things? No one seeks after God. Seek the Lord. Now, there are those Pelagians, by historical and theological terms, Pelagians, after their follower Pelagius, their, their leader Pelagius, their followers say that someone could actually not only seek after God, but find God on their own without any aid from the Holy Spirit, without any supernatural gifting, without the heart being changed at all. And in fact, Pelagians believe that you can save yourself. Self-salvation. That's heresy. But did you realize that it's also heresy to be what is commonly called, again, by historical and theological terminology, a hyper-Calvinist? One who so believes in the sovereignty of God and who so affirms the idea that no man really seeks after God that they become so misinformed in their own thinking that they end all evangelism and they do not evangelize others because they assume that God is going to do what God is going to do. And since no one seeks after God, we all have to just wait until God seeks after them 
And in the end, evangelism comes crashing down on its own head. Nobody evangelizes. They're preoccupied with things that decry any responsibility whatsoever. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Because we're commanded to evangelize. And so... Between the heresies of hyper-Calvinism and Pelagianism, you have the balanced biblical truth that says this. That may sound contradictory, but it isn't. No one seeks after God, but seek God. Did you realize that even though no one can seek after God in their own and by their own merits, in their own way, by their own will... But we are nevertheless commanded responsibly as every human being on the face of the earth to seek God and to find Him and to search for Him with all your heart. And the promise of the Bible is this, that if you do so, He will reveal Himself to you. Now, how do you understand those two things? Well, I don't confess that I understand them fully. I don't believe any human being can. I believe we can understand them to a limited degree as sinful human beings and as corrupt in our flesh as we are, even in our regenerate nature. We are not able to come fully to grasp these things. But in my recent reading of the Bible and in an effort to show all of us how we can get off on the right foot in January of 2011, this message is burning within me. Because over and over and over in our Bibles, we are commanded by God. We're given examples and illustrations from the children of Israel onward to seek God. And here's the beautiful, beloved, exciting, dynamic promise. That if you seek Him, He will come to you. He will reveal Himself to you. He will save you. He will bless you. He will honor you. He will love you. He will take care of you. And it will be, as a result, at least on a human level, regardless of the doctrine of of election, regardless of the idea of predestination, regardless of this concept uh, that is too difficult for us to fully grasp and understand, that being the sovereignty of God, that if you just in your heart, in your life, in 2011, pursue the Lord Jesus Christ, even if you've never done it before, you seek Him, He will be found by you. Here's, here's the message that I want to get across to you today, and it's evangelistic. It is, it, I make no bones about it. It is overtly evangelistic. And, and if you are already a believer, you, you should then just rejoice in all of the truths that we're going to share with you this morning and probably next time. And here it goes, all right? And I'm also not going to apologize for the amount of Bible passages that we're going to go over. I never do, right? Well, I'm not this morning either, all right? I want to show you from the entire sweep of the Bible, and it may take us a lot of time, and we're certainly going to go over this morning, but I want to show you the sheer number of passages, regardless of the theological balancing act that we have to make between the idea of the sovereignty of God and the fact that no one seeks Him and that He seeks them in order to seek Him. I understand all of that, but I'm telling you that it is your responsibility before God to seek Him, and if you do, He will honor Himself 
by being sought and found, and then he will honor you. All you have to worry about, you don't have to go into a theological classroom, you don't have to go to seminary, you don't have to do anything in order to understand what is your responsibility to seek God. And I want you to seek God this morning. If you're a young person here this morning, I want you to seek God. Don't let another day pass in 2011, we're here right at the beginning, for you not to seek God. He will be found by you if you seek Him. I want to show you that, all right? I want to take you all the way to the Pentateuch. Go to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And if you can't write all of these down, certainly look them up because I want you to be impacted by the power of God's holy word as you read those words off the page. Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse 25. And we're going to go through these quickly. Maybe you're not always going to be able to look up every one of the passages, but at least write them down and please meditate on them because I don't want you to go through another day at the beginning of this year, 2011, without seeking God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 25. Listen to what the Word of God says. When your father... When your father... When you, Father, children and children's children, and have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God so as to provoke him to anger, that's the negativity, that's the judgment. Verse 26, Moses says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed. In other words, the negativity here is you will be judged if you don't seek God. Right? If you make images, carved images in the form of anything, he says. He says, I even call heaven and earth to witness against you today. You're not going to live long. You'll be utterly destroyed. And yet in verse 27 it says, And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And that's exactly what happened to them. And yet verse 28, And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands, that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will what? Seek the Lord your God, and you will what? You'll find him. Now look, I just want to take that right out of its context, not, not yanking it out of its context, but trying to parenthetically say this. If you seek God, what does the Bible say right there? You'll find him. You'll find him. Okay? That's, that's the truth of what I want you to get this morning. You seek God, you'll find him. And there isn't a multitude of ways... You have to seek God through a relationship with Jesus Christ, to be sure. But when you do that, the Bible says you'll find Him. Okay, that's a look at the Pentateuch. What about the historical books? Look at First Chronicles. First Chronicles. You want to know what the Bible teaches regarding your responsibility as a human being before God, created in His image and commanded by Him to do something? And here's the most important thing you must do, chapter 16 of 1 Chronicles. And I just want you to to feel the weight of every one of these passages upon your heart, your soul, your mind, your conscience. 1 Chronicles 16. Listen, this is David's song of thanks. Notice what he says. Glory in his holy name, 1 Chronicles 16:10. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord what? Rejoice. 
Verse 11, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence. How often? Continually. See how the Bible is demonstrating for us that we should seek the Lord? Look at chapter 28. Chapter 28. Verse 2. Then King David rose to his feet and he said, talking to Israel, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And I made preparations for building. But God said to me, You may not build a house for my name, for you are a man of war and have shed blood. Yet the Lord God of Israel chose me from all my father's house to be king over Israel forever. For he chose Judah as leader, and in the house of Judah, my father's house, and among my father's sons, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel and all and of all my sons. For the Lord has given me many sons. He has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, It is Solomon, your son, who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he continues strong in keeping my commandments and my rules as he is today. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance to, the, to your children after you forever. So we're not just called upon to seek God, but we're also called upon to seek out all the commandments of the Lord. In other words, all that explains who he is and what he wants from us in our lives. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Very familiar to you. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 11. This, thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord, what David had just said and what the Lord told him, and the king's house, all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Verse 12, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. In other words, the Lord blessed it and said, Yes, I'm going to dwell there. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. Here it is, Second Chronicles 7.14, very familiar. If my people who are called by my name, that's the Jews, that's the children of Israel, if they will humble themselves and pray, and what? Seek my face. Seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Seeking God. Are you seeking God? Now this is the children of Israel. This is what was the promise to them, right? But this is a promise for you and me by extension. You see God, He'll heal you spiritually. Look at chapter 12 of Second Chronicles. Verse 13. Solomon's son, King Rehoboam, he grew strong in Jerusalem and reigned. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city that the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Nehemiah, the Ammonite, and he did evil. And how was that? For he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. You see, ultimately, my friends, it comes down to a very simple conclusion. Are you going to seek the Lord? 
Or are you going to do evil in the sight of the Lord and not seek Him? That's, that's, that's an evangelistic choice that you must make. I'm going to seek the Lord or I'm not going to seek the Lord. Look at chapter 15. This is amazing. You want to talk about passages that speak of seeking God? Here's one that has four references to it. Chapter 15 of Second Chronicles, verse 1. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa, King Asa, and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. That's evangelistic, my friends. But if you forsake him, he will what? He'll forsake you. This is very clear. My friends, don't let another day in 2011 pass before you've answered the question in your own heart, am I seeking God or am I not seeking God? Because if you seek Him, He will be found by you. That's what the Word of God says right here. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. Verse 3, For a long time Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress, and maybe that's you today, maybe you're in distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought Him. He was found by them. It's a simple premise. You seek God, He will be found by you. In those times, there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. Why? Why would he trouble them with every sort of distress? Because they weren't seeking him. Have you ever asked the question, why am I in such distress? Maybe it's because you're not seeking God. But you, verse 7, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon, who were residing with them, for great numbers had deserted to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him they were gathered at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of the reign of Asa they say, they sacrificed to the Lord on that day from the spoil that they had brought 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep and they entered into a covenant to what? to seek the Lord the God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul but that whoever would not seek the Lord the God of Israel should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. They swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and had sought Him with their whole desire. And what does the Scripture say? And He was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. This is, this is a clear choice, my friends. I mean, here's 2011. We're right at the first of the year. You may be in distress. You may be really challenged in your life. What direction? Who am I? Where am I going? Am I going to do the things that the Lord has commanded for me to do? 
in this new year? Well, if, if you seek Him, you will be found by Him. And He will give you rest all around. Look at chapter 16, verse 7. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To do what? To give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward Him. You see, the Lord's eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And He's watching and He's waiting for those who are seeking Him. Whose heart is saying, I'm seeking You, God. I need You in my life. I've, I've messed my life up royally. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I'm seeking you. And for a person who's earnestly seeking God, the Bible says, God will find you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you've made of your life. He knows that very well. He created you. And the Bible says, if you seek Him, the Lord will find you and give you rest. Look at chapter 34. Of Second Chronicles. It's amazing. Verse 1. Josiah, King Josiah, was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to do what? Seek the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim and the carved and the metal images. He sought God. And God took care of him. God blessed him. Look at the next book, Ezra 8. Ezra 8. It's amazing. Verse 21 of Ezra 8. Ezra says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from Him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king the hand of our God is for good on all who what? Seek Him. And the power of His wrath is against all who forsake Him. You see, it's just like that over and over and over again in our Bibles. Seek God, seek God, seek God, and you'll be found by Him, you'll be blessed by Him, you'll be protected by Him. All times, 100%, no, God may have a plan to have you suffer for a little while. Yes, but ultimately, you will find refuge in Him. But if you forsake Him, if you forsake Him in 2011, He will forsake you. That's, that's the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy 4. That's the historical books. How about the poetical books? How about Psalm 910? Psalm 910. You want to see how the psalmist describes it? Many passages. Psalm 910. This may be one of the best. This may be one of the best. Meditate on this. Psalm 910. 
And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who what? Seek you. Are you seeking the Lord? Let me ask you. Did you seek the Lord in 2010? I mean, here's, here's a great blessing. The very fact that you're sitting here this morning. That's a great blessing. It's a great blessing that you're not so beset with illness. It's such a great blessing that you and I have not died. We're all sitting here within the hearing of my voice, and we are hearing this question posed to our consciences, and it is this. Will you forsake the Lord, or will you seek Him? Will you seek Him this very day? If you seek Him, He'll be found by you. He's not one of those that goes off and hides... And when the hide-and-seek game is over and you haven't been successful, you can't find Him, no matter how hard you sincerely try. If you try, and if you forsake all of your own personal efforts to live your life as you want, and if you seek Him, He will always be found by you in the hide-and-seek game. Always. This is, this is the Word of the Lord. Look at chapter 10. Verse 3, for the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. That's those who forsake the Lord in the pride of his face. The wicked does not what? Seek him. All his thoughts are there is no God. Yes, that's true. And it always has to be spoken in that way. Look at chapter 24, Psalm 24. Oh, I hope you're writing these down. Psalm 24, verse 3. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Such is the generation of those who what? Seek Him. Who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Chapter 27, verse 4. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Verse 8. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face do I what? Seek. Oh, hide not your face from me. He won't. Oh, it may be that you have to work hard grappling with the issues of life in order to find this ultimate idea of the Lord in your life. But you will. The promise is always there. He will not hide Himself from you forever. Look at chapter 34. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack what? No good thing. Do you lack good things in your life? Maybe it's because you're not seeking the Lord. Because those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Chapter 40. 
This is amazing. Just, just looking through your own Bible and finding these rich truths about seeking God. Verse 16 of Psalm 40. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. Chapter 63, verse 1. O oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Is that describing your life? Is that who you are? Look at chapter 69. Chapter 69, beginning in verse 30. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. This, this song of thanksgiving, will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. In other words, more than sacrifice. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise His own people who are prisoners. Who are the needy in this case? The seekers. Oh yes, I, I, I fully agree. That nobody on their own seeks God. But, but once you, you get in that, that God-ordained time frame where He's tugging at you and He's pulling at you to know Him, are you following through with the tug of your heart? How many times have you said no to it? How many times have you pushed it away? How many times have you said, well, I'll, I'll, just try to, I'll just try to exist one more day. I'll just try to do it on my own one more time. Don't do that. Don't do that. Look at Psalm 78. Verse 32. This is the, this is the history of Israel in a psalm. And verse 32 says, in spite of all this, in other words, in spite of all that the Lord did in blessing them and keeping them from ultimate judgment, they still sinned. Despite His wonders, they did not believe, so He made their days vanish like a breath. Remember all the children of Israel dying in the wilderness and their years in terror. When He killed them, they sought Him. But, but not for good. It was only because they were in distress. It was here today, gone tomorrow. They repented and sought God earnestly, it says in verse 34. Yes, they remembered that God was their rock, the most high God, their redeemer. But verse 36 says, they flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues. In other words, their repentance wasn't genuine. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. That's the patience of the Lord. How often they rebelled against Him in the wilderness and grieved Him in the desert. Don't, don't grieve Him any longer. Seek Him. Seek Him permanently, regularly. Seek Him at all times and for all reasons, and He will be found by you. Look at Psalm 105. Verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord, what? Rejoice. 
Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence. How often? Continually. Seek the Lord all the time. Remember the wondrous works that He's done. His miracles and the judgments He uttered. Oh, Psalm 119, verse 2. Seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. Psalm 119, verse 2. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. Do you seek Him with your whole heart? Look at verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Oh Lord, I want to seek you with my whole heart. Verse 58. I entreat your favor with all my heart. In other words, I seek your favor. I search for your favor. I ask for your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. Are you seeking God today? You, you, you must seek the Lord. This is not an option. This is a command to be obeyed. Don't let 2011 go by not one more day before you would get on your knees humbly and say to the Lord, I've been seeking my own pleasures. I've been seeking my own life. I've been seeking my own way. I've been seeking my own joys, my own fulfillments, and, and you may still be in the process of saying, and it's not so bad. But it will be. It will be. The Lord will squeeze you into the vice grip of challenge until you have no other alternative but to say, I must seek the Lord. And maybe that's where you are today. And, and don't go to a place by any means of thinking that you have many days ahead. If you're a young person here this morning, who has promised you more days? God hasn't promised you more days. Jesus says today has enough trouble of its own. You, you can't even look to tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow when all that you need to do is be concerned about today. And if anybody has that sense in their heart and mind that they can say either because they're young and they still have their virility and their strength, and say, I've got many days from now. It could be taken from you like that, right? And there's a temptation, especially for those who have their strength and who have maybe the mental capacity to assume that they can think their way through all of the challenges of life without the Lord. Well, look at Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. You better not think that you're going to do that because here's what Proverbs 1.20 says wisdom cries aloud in the street this is the wisdom of God this is God speaking in the markets she wisdom lady wisdom raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets she cries out at the entrance of the city gates she speaks how long O simple ones and that's whom I've just been describing will you love being simple how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge 
If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. There's the evangelistic call right there. If you turn at my reproof. In other words, I've given you that vice grip of challenge and you've seen it. You've recognized it by God's grace. And now you turn and he says, if you do, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. But what about somebody who says, no, no, I still have time. Now, I, I just don't think that I've done everything I needed to do. I need to make some kind of further moral reformation in my life in order for me to, to be morally right and good enough and ready to seek the Lord. Look, if that's your plan, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. You're never going to be able to morally reform yourself where you can stand before a holy, pristine, righteous God. Never. And if you refuse, verse 24, because wisdom says, I called and you refused to listen. I stretched out my hand and no one is heeded because you ignored all my counsel and you would have none of my reproof. Here's the judgment. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, and, and even then, when everything is coming crashing down upon your own head, then you will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not what? Now someone's going to immediately say, well, wait a minute. You just said earlier that if you seek God with all your heart, He will be found by you. And now it's saying... Okay, I'm in all this distress and this anguish and I'm not responding to the reproof of God. But when I finally do, when I finally seek Him diligently, I will not find Him? You know what I think this is talking about? I think this is talking about the after effects in eternal judgment. This may be the siren sound, the song of everybody in hell. Because, verse 29, they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord and they would have none of His counsel and they despised all of His reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. See, that's judgment. And the complacency of fools destroys them But thank God for the promise of verse 33. It's almost as though he turns from those who are in judgment already to those who are standing at judgment's door. And this is what he says. For whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. You say, how is that possible? Here it is. Look at Proverbs chapter 2. Verse 4, here's how it is possible. We go right from the end of Proverbs 1 to the beginning of Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it, seek it like silver. If you seek wisdom like 
silver and search for it wisdom as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If you seek it, you'll find it. It's the Bible's pattern over and over and over. If you seek it, you search for it. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, you will find it. And when you do, here's the, here's the theology behind it. When you do, it's as a result of God's grace because He was searching for you all along. That's how you balance the truth. You seek, you seek, you seek. This is a great illustration. This is what somebody once said, and I think it's so absolutely true. It's apropos to what we're talking about. You search, you search, you search, you seek, you seek, you seek, and you find, and you see those gates of heaven, and it says, Come unto me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you seek for that, and you search for that, and you find that, and it's emblazoned across the mantle of that place, and you are overjoyed, and you walk through, and you turn around, and you look at the other side and it says, chosen before the foundation of the world. God sought you and gave you the privilege of seeking Him. And if you're not doing that today, you will have utterly no confidence to search for God nor find Him. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we are only part way through statement after statement after statement, passage after passage after passage, from the Pentateuch through the historical writings into the poetical writings, the, the Psalms and the Proverbs. And they all speak of seeking God, seeking God, searching for God, and finding God because you've searched with all your heart. And even when He finds you, you can't rejoice in yourself. You can't glory in your own achievements because once you're found. You also find the theology behind it that says, I found Him because He first found me. I love Him because He first loved me. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that there's not one single person within this congregation this morning who would walk out of this place, who would somehow rationalize in their minds that they have time to seek after God. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Oh Lord, I pray there would be those here today who would, after seeking you,
would be found by you, blessed by you, and that they would rejoice in finding you and in the fact that you sovereignly led them to yourself. Lord, when we gather together again and we look at more of these passages, I pray that the truth would be screwed into their minds ever further. That you must seek God to find Him. That's our responsibility. We can't throw that off onto anything else. Even the glorious doctrines of election and predestination and the sovereignty of God. We are responsible to seek You. To search for You. To find You. And when we do, with every responsible fiber of our being, we look back at what has happened. And we rejoice that You were not far off all along. And that You were on a relentless search for us. And that our responsibility becomes an enthralled sense of praise because it was You who allowed us to search for You in the first place. Oh God, allow us, even now, to be found by You. That Jesus Christ, through His death and His burial and His resurrection, would be the only atonement for sinners like us, that He satisfied Your wrath and that He opened the way for us to be found by You so that we, in our own search, could find You because we've searched with all our hearts. Oh Lord Jesus, thank You for dying on that cross so that we could be found And thank you, gloriously so, for allowing us to search for salvation and to find that salvation in you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you that that pearl of great price has been found and that we've given up all that we have. And now that we have you, It is joy forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.